to the uh, I'm assuming podcast with your host Vijay uh, Mohan and my first guest uh, today is Mr. Kelvin Raj an old friend of mine um, if you're listening in thank you very much for listening in um, I suppose I have to preface this podcast by saying that this is the first episode we are still feeling our way around this Kelvin has been very brave to volunteer for this little <laughs> experiment without actually knowing you know what this is going to become yep um the the inspiration for this is basically just exploring uh our assumptions having conversations there i say frank direct unfiltered conversations uh with people that you know i find interesting yep um and hopefully this conversation help kind of open up our eyes on uh you know different kinds of uh the careers that we have the relationships that we have the decisions that we make in our life um and kind of you know help us be more open and direct to one another um i don't know that kelvin you want to jump in and say anything <laughs> i mean uh yeah i was i mean what was speaking to asija earlier in regards to how the malaysian society i guess in regards to openness and being vulnerable Uh, are we ready for it i mean um, a big question mark i mean reason i was interested in this is because it's going to be unfiltered and we're going to be talking about things that i suppose uh, no one else would like to broach on or talk about generally uh, uh, unless they had a couple of of beers maybe but then they stop making sense <laughs> usually but oh yeah i mean and i guess it's day to day things uh, that we can all relate to but and get and, and i guess uh being able to tell the true story share as much as possible without implicating anyone uh, hopefully but uh but i think that's the goal i mean it's the goal is to get it out uh, uh yeah i think in 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 the sense um i never viewed this as a, a malaysian podcast in in the sense that i believe what we are talking about is like has very universal values yep um at the same time i do think that as as a society i we tend to put up a facade and we uh tend to be very guarded we don't we don't have really honest open conversations with another we assume a lot about other people we assume about their money we assume about their relationships we assume about their family we assume about you know how they think and what they do and what they believe in and and what i what i've realized is when you have really deep conversations with people also those assumptions are not really true right yes. and and my objective if i can say that my objective is to talk to people people like elvin and kind of see if we can have that conversation uh and help kind of showcase the the different type of people and the different kind of decisions that we make and have a better understanding hopefully promote a more open culture for sharing and thing and and something that i think we all need to have more of yeah. uh, not an not an easy step uh, for those who are probably not done much of it but i'm just going to show you it's not that hard i mean uh, i mean for me it's an experiment <laughs> um yeah it's a lot of learning i think i have a lot of assumptions and i think 
one of the reasons that I want to do this podcast is to kind of challenge your assumptions. And I, I would like to say I'm not necessarily interviewing people that I agree with per se. It is, I just want to talk to people who might have the same point of view, different point of view, and trying to understand it. I think in that process, hopefully other people get to understand that as well. Yeah. And, uh, and let's see. I mean, it, this is episode number one. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of technical problems. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Right? Uh, but I think, you know, thanks for kind of taking the risk of this. But Morris. we will get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So we'll be on with the, with the podcast. Hi, uh, welcome. Yes, Elton Raj. First, me pick guest again. Yep. Very, uh, I suppose, uh, unknown format. Uh, but I guess, uh, Yep. What's driving? Uh, the title is very simple. I'm a little bit narcissistic. I realize most is especially now. Uh, that a lot of us are. lot of our assumptions are challenged, right? And we never can find ourselves like call it new normal. Find that most of our assumptions that got that one of the have I have the absolute truth. Realize that some of the come up not so much monk try and understand what the reality of right. So having said that, what my objective of podcast uh, I wanna have I interesting personal I believe <laughs> <laughs> right so and and I think having a conversation, I would dare say, Also get a better Yep. I guess uh, I guess the goal of the podcast as you said, you know, to be unfiltered. And uh, uh being Malaysian. <laughs> do you do you think we are 
open and or vulnerable enough to I guess uh, share share enough of our experience enough of our life past lives or you know and to let people learn from it at least or be able to uh, be aware of it and you know I guess talking about things makes it much more to, to someone at least makes it a bit more clearer to us ourselves when we so but are we ready for for that I suppose that's my wondering I mean yes I'm I'm the, I'm the type who like to open up and I will want to you know talk about things that you know people don't usually talk about uh, but is the general population in that in that sort of I guess mindset I, I don't know so that's a challenge I suppose for for you, for you to find out I guess uh, I mean I have out some friends and kind of broach topic but especially when bring up that you know it's completely there's no rules to this yeah, conversation yeah, right yeah. and yeah, I think the first thing that pops out is, oh you're gonna get in trouble yeah. right uh, and they're not wrong uh, but I think the reality I think that Or people in power are very uh, politics, politics, religion. I think for Leicester, and, but yeah, more for religious comment, political. political. Uh, but here's the thing, right? In my life, in my life is good of an exaggeration, but in my conversation. Many of those conversations are structured around politics. Some are, but most of the conversations are very yeah. and very right. We can talk about things that, that it might link back to our beliefs, our religion, maybe our political views, but it doesn't necessarily have to be about a politician or a political party. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I I think it's not even something that is not something I'm in. I'm, I'm more interested in talking, for example, you and get your views on things rather than have a general commentary on what country is, what our state of politics is, yeah. and what our religion yeah. is. Yeah. Because our day to day things come into consideration. Our day to day decision making very different. Yes. You know, and I think even in your life, you have a lot of examples that that. Uh, most people in terms of decision making. Yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah, but okay. I want to make one thing clear though. I, I have to be very clear that I'm not a Malaysian. <laughs> uh, although nobody will believe me. Uh, if, I think twenty. This is my twenty-seven. I came when I was nine. I'm a in PR. So, and the only condition of getting a PR is Malaysian. For those of you who are not aware, I'm allowed to participate in politics. <laughs> so, whether I like it or not, <laughs> legally I'm not allowed to uh, compete on politics. And again, it's not, I'm not a top down or whatever, but I think it's just that it's not as interesting as, as actually having really conversations with yeah. people. Right? So, but let's see, I mean, it's, I think it's tough to talk about things then. Say, oh, we're not going to talk about politics then. No, I think it, it will yeah, eventually come up. But somewhere, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's, I, I don't think I see this as an experiment in 
safety, uh, politicizing issues or anything like that. I think, uh, you know, I would like to talk to a politician or, you know, have a politician on one day. And, but not, not so much uh, the politics, right? But, but actually kind of understand, you know, what are the assumptions do we have on a politics? Yeah. And what are you as a person? What do you stand for? You know, why you have in this life and so on? So I think that's the angle that, Whether we will get there or not, you know, it waits to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, okay, so uh, having said that, uh, and having such uh, undefined uh, um, I think one of the that I, was, that I thought was that I was about as well is you kind of had a very colorful life, right? Uh, I would ask Unorthodox decision making, right? Maybe you wanna tell us a little bit more about kind of the you know a, a back room of the journey so far, and maybe we can deep dive when there's something. Yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, uh, well, I mean, one other thing is I don't remember much of my. I don't know why, but uh, not never remembered much of my childhood. I only remember it here, there. But I guess there are moments where uh, you sort of uh, here and there remember like 10% of what happened. But I think a lot of these things that happens to you in life consciously or subconsciously makes it who you are, right? I mean, a book you read, you may not understand, you know, un- remember the content, but you sort of set it new uh, and you, know, you sort of uh, live your life through some of the values you may have learned through it, although you don't remember what you've read in it. So things that you have experienced in life, although you don't remember it, you've built part, part of you. And I think a lot of my life, uh, I guess I've, uh, you know, to my family as well, most of it myself, I think I've uh, defined my own character, my own part, and sort of stand stood quite uh, hard in certain values I had. So my, the values in my life really, sort of the roots defined on my, defines my decision making. I think that's the, that's the, that's the first thing. And everything that happened was just a fact of that. So the, my behaviors were just based on my values. So, I mean, for me, I was uh, obviously studied, born and bred Malaysian. Uh, I've been, uh, I was in Malaysia for, for about 18 years before I moved overseas uh, for studies. I, after, after my diploma in business studies and one year, so I did a twinning uh, with Metropolitan College for those who have been on you know, that Taylor's uh, sort oh, that, of uh, that, that Subang Jaya district area. Circle. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I have uh, had very co- co- close friends from high school. We went to the same college and ended up after uni. I did a one plus two. I did uh, one year in Malaysia, two years in Australia, uh, two years in Curtin. So, I went with my friends. So, all these were high school friends. We sort of decided to do the same things so that we can end up at the same place, I think, for some reason. So we ended up actually... Uh, when you say same things, I mean... Same as in... Uh, the same... Same, yeah, same degree, basically. I would say same okay. uh, same part like in the business how many degree. Like, like... Uh, it was, I would say, four of us. Okay. Yeah, That's so, a good group. So, I mean, then uh, we had we rented the same place, you know, stayed in the so same house. So you all did the same... Okay. Yes. Did the same diploma? Yes, pretty much. 
and went to the same university. Yes, correct. And did the same degree. Did the same, did same degree, different major, basically. Ah. So everyone did degree in commerce, but yeah, all everyone had different major. But you know, we pre- pretty much ended up. Uh, uh, you know, we all finished at different times because uh, some at the end we all decided to do different things. So uh, if I, if you don't mind me asking, I mean, you mentioned earlier that you don't, uh, you know, especially you don't remember your childhood per se, yeah. right? So when you say childhood, I mean, what what do you mean that? I mean, what are that, the parts <laughs> that you don't? I guess the span. I mean, a lot of people that I speak to, all right, they can remember things at seven, six, ten years old, eleven years old, things that happen. I mean, it's not that the fact that you know I had, a, I think, I had a recently good childhood, but for some reason, I just can't recall it. And I think that is one of the biggest challenge I have as a father now. Is uh, I want to make sure my kids remember because uh, I don't want them to be. You know, if anything happens to me, let's say uh, now or, ne- or now or tomorrow. I mean, they are young age, they are six and four. If anything happens to me, the likelihood they're not going to remember me very well. So, okay, so if I were to ask you the question, I mean, so I know you, so you have an older brother yes. and a younger brother. Yes. Have you had a conversation with any of them regarding this, not recalling childhood? Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my relationship with my brothers are, 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 are different. I suppose from a normal, uh, I guess, a lovey-dovey, <laughs> huggy family, we are not. Are you sure they are lovey-dovey? No, they're not. Brotherly. So, yeah. so, I mean, we are not. Even me, I'm not. I mean, for some reason, we have grown up that way. So, if they pick up a phone and give me a call, I'm going to be there to you know, assist them, help them, whatever. But, you know, I don't, I don't like give them a hug or, you know, we don't hang out as a... No, I think the, the being a naturally curious person, I think the interesting thing would be to to find out whether did all three of y'all have that same experience of, oh yeah, I don't really remember my childhood, right? Yeah. Or like, you know, maybe they remember and maybe your memory. Is yeah, my, yeah it's, it's, I, I believe it's my memory. La. I mean, yeah. because my brother, see the, the thing about having close connections and long connections for people you've known for a long time is they are your memories for me. For yeah. me, it's they are, or as my friends have been with me 20 years, things that I don't remember. And, and that's why we enjoy sitting with them is because they are the they remember things that you don't and i think that's it's huge for me because uh we've gone through life i mean and just imagine just imagine if you can't remember so much of your life and it just disappears right i mean i think that's quite sad i mean if there's no trace of it so the people that keep trace of it is really the the people you know so and yeah so that's why you continue to have laughs about things uh, that happened in five six years ago because sometimes you just don't remember it and it comes to memory i'll say yeah wow i did that I mean, uh, I think in many ways, uh, I think I'm, I, before this conversation, I mentioned to you that you know, if I keep saying I think I'm failing <laughs> in this because I'm rather than expressing an opinion, I, yeah. think, uh, I think again, I think it's a, <laughs> it's a bad force of habit that 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 I need to let go of. But what I wanted to say is actually that uh, when you say this that you can't really recall a childhood, I think my assumption is. Everybody remembers their childhood, and and maybe in, in in if I'm trying to reflect on my own life, it's a little bit easier because I have I moved to Malaysia when I was nine, so if I have any memory of India, where I was from, then it is I know it's it before when I was nine before yeah. nine la. So yeah. if I have any memories of India, it was before that so called childhood, and everything after that is my memory of Malaysia, right? 
having said that, now that you say this, that you can't remember childhood, I've had uh, many years ago somebody reached out uh, to me on Facebook and professing to be my best friend from 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 India back when we were in like <laughs> school, and he had photos of our school saying this is me and this is you and all that, and I have zero recollection of him. I have zero recollection and I was behaving like oh this guy is trying to scam me in some weird catfish scenario and you know this guy was like a genuine sound I mean was saying that oh man you can't remember we were best friends you know you were best friends when you were in school I mean we were very young I mean 7 8 years old but I have until now I've tried my level best I have zero recollection so maybe there is something to this yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, even like sometimes when I look at photos, I mean, that, uh, I mean, when I'm even seven, eight, nine, I mean, when I look at them, not all photos that I look, I can actually remember myself being there. So, I mean, it's, it's a personal mm. thing, I think. I mean, it's, mm. a, it's where I feel like, uh, I don't know whether it's a condition uh, of early, condi- early signs of uh, Alzheimer's or what, I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, so just th- when I think about it, it's like, I mean, my kids, I just want to be make sure that a lot of the life I share with them now, we find ways to. Anything happens to me, they have got some memory of what I left behind or you know, who I am. So, I think. Uh, I but how think, do you, how do you mean? I mean, uh, so when you say that, right? It it looks like there may be two scenarios, right? Scenario A is just that most kids are very bad at remembering stuff. Right? And most kids will probably not remember but they one, two, three up to, you know, yep. ten or whatever, right? And all scenario B is, I think, which is what I think you are saying, is is that it, the memories were not impactful enough for you to remember. And you are trying to make maybe more impactful memories with your family. Is that what you're saying? I mean... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think... I think the memories, uh, I mean, the memories were impactful, I believe. I mean, because a lot of stories that I hear okay. that are then for my family that, wow, yeah, I remember uh, this well, in- very interesting story. I remember being slightly part of it, but I can't remember the full picture of what they said I did. You know, it's like, oh, wow, I, I, I did all that as well. So, but, so it's more of me keeping memories of the kids. I mean, it's that memories are impactful. I want it to be remained impactful, you know, whether you're recording it or you're taking a life story or making a video. Uh, that things, uh, I suppose, uh, are the things that are uh, still visible. You know, I, I would love to have videos of what I did 10 years ago or 15 years ago. But, you know, as you, as you look back, you realize that, you know, damn it, I should have taken uh, some, some captures and memories of that time, you know, because uh, unfortunately, the uh, those things can just disappear. I mean, uh, from from your, from, if you know, for some at least. You think so? I mean, uh, I mean, dep- depending. I mean, I I guess from a, from a younger age, I, I see I see it from a younger age, I suppose. I had this really weird interaction at a, at a, it was like maybe at, at a at a talk many years, uh, where somebody was talking about his. Gift, online gift card but you know you go online you create you buy a physical card and it's them yeah and people were kind of like ridiculing it in the sense that ah you know this is age of the internet in what you can you know send a, a click through facebook and whatnot at that point and 
why would somebody want to actually buy a physical card? And this guy, I mean, uh, his name is Chuck. I don't know, Chuck. I mean, uh, <laughs> smart guy. Malaysian? Uh, yeah, he's Malaysian. Chuck. Uh. Chuck. Oh. So, you know, maybe I'll have Chuck on. I mean, he's an interesting guy. Uh, but what he said, kind of like, in, in, in a sense, it kind of broke my assumption of what we thought social media or Facebook was, right? And I'm, I'm sure he has practiced that with many other people. But, but when he said it, it sounded really cool. He said that, you know, uh, tech companies come and go. MySpace came and went. Friendster came and went. And if you think that all the memories that you have created and saved on Facebook is going to be forever, uh, you know, uh, that's not necessarily true. And, yeah. when, and when Facebook has come and gone and you can't access to any of your photos, you still have... At, that company at that point was called Foldies. Foldies. And you'll still have a foldy in your hand. And man, that kind of like, yeah, that's absolutely true because I think we are old enough to say we probably had Friendster accounts. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And <laughs> the Friendster accounts don't exist, right. right? Yeah. And all those photos that we've had and the we, I don't know about videos or in Friendster, but all the photos that we uploaded and all that, they it's don't gone. exist, right? No. So what if the same thing happened to Facebook? I yeah. mean, a lot of people, me included, have invested a lot of content uploading, right? And what if that, you know, like we are saying, right? What if that? I think that's the, <laughs> that's the fallacy. I mean, we all will believe it exists un- until it's gone, basically. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, how how do I deal with that? I, I don't know how to to personally deal with it. For me, you know, I I keep my a lot of my um on my kids as well. I mean, our photos and all are stored in Google. Right, okay. so we use Google as the basis. But then again, that, yeah, same that's thing. Digital, yeah, same thing. Yeah, it's a digital the, thing again. So it's, everything is digital. So I can tell you, if Google swipes out tomorrow and closes, that's it. Our memories are gone. That, I mean, I mean, a lot logically. I mean, you'll have maybe some backup on your phone or something. One thing, uh, Mel, as well, with my wife, uh, she keeps still stuff in. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Hard disk. Hard disk. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so she she backs up lots of stuff. Uh, and she keeps back, you know, backup for backup, so. <laughs> okay, but so Melissa, your wife, does have an IT record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she probably knows that, man, one day all this Google and Facebook yeah, is probably, probably. not going to exist. But having said that, uh, maybe we are, we are dwelling around this a little bit longer, but I think this, I've, I've been act- actively trying to take less photos. Yeah. Uh, I think if you open my phone, it's your typical or oh, new father scenario where you're just taking photos of your kids, right? But I what I, what's troubling me is when I think about it is, man, I never revisit. You know, when something cool happens, you want to take a video and photo of it, right? But the issue is, I never revisit that yeah. photo or video. And I keep asking myself, man, if I'm never going to revisit it, why do I want to distract myself from whatever that's going on? You know, if you're, you know, if you're playing with your kid, instead of taking a video of you playing with your kid, why don't you just play with your kid? All right. I, I, I think, I think that's a balance that, like, when I, when I, for me, when I take photos, it's very in the moment. So I, I don't plan to take photos or plan to take a video. If I feel like, uh, okay, I mean, suddenly I feel, all right, this seems like a good moment. So I'll just quickly grab one. So yeah, we should not, for me, like you said, should not, you know, Priority is your camera to make sure you take a camera playing your kid. This does not make sense oh, to but, me. Like, yes, we in the moment. Fine, fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't. Yeah. In my 
personal observation of my own behavior, I never revisit those photos. That, you know, unless you're taking it and you're putting it up on Instagram or putting it up on Facebook and then, okay, like, at least the content is somewhere, right? Yeah. Like in my case, I was just taking these photos and, it's, and I don't revisit it. So that was what was troubling for me. If, you know, if I was revisiting it at some point and using it, then, you know, it kind of worked well. And, but, you know, I, 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 I get the urge to do it because I still do it, <laughs> you know, as much as I'm aware about it. But, okay, having said that, so if that is not uh, the case uh, you were mentioning about, I mean, you, you've mentioned this a couple of times. Uh, it might take a dark turn, I don't know, right? But you mentioned a couple of times, in case you're not there, you want your family or maybe you want your kids to remember you. Like, why is this so important? I don't know. I mean, I, I, want, I want, for me, you see, I, I see going, for me, death, right? Death is, uh, going to death is a <laughs> scary thing, right? I mean, and, and, okay. and, uh, and me not being there to see the kids the rest of my life, or them not leaving something behind, personally, uh, I see it as, uh, for me, I see the only thing you're going to leave in this world is what you left behind. Uh. That's it. So, I mean, what the memories left behind, the, impact you left behind I think I think that's that, that's what I see after that no one knows for me no one knows what happens next so, so what I can leave behind obviously my kids I want them to be the greatest beneficiary of it hopefully I bring some value uh, and as long as they can see it, they can see my experience with them and what I was trying to teach them through all my interactions with them that's something I've left behind you know I mean I think that's that's something hopefully can linger you over time um I think, I think it, I have to be a bit more careful. <laughs> what you're saying sounds like this. There's, there's a couple of components. Right? I think one part is the serial part, which I think uh, most responsible parents, uh, and I'm not saying like I'm a responsible parent, <laughs> I'm just saying most responsible parents will prioritize ensuring that, you know, they, in case anything happens, yep. their loved ones are taken care of, right? Um, but it also sounds like there's, there's non-material, maybe value-driven part, or I don't know whether this, I don't know whether value is the right word. Uh, but how do you, how do you ensure that? I mean, I feel like that is something that is the material part. There's some control. There's some degree of control where you can put things in place, right? Yep. When you talk about stuff that is so subjective or emotional, how do you how do you do that or how do you? I mean, you know, wh wh one thing you hope, whatever your interactions with your kid, you know, taking taking out photos or videos whatsoever, that has enough impact on them to develop them as a, a kid or a child over time. And let's see, my kid is now four and six, both girls. Uh, hopefully, let's yeah, let's say tomorrow I'm not around. I've done enough in this short span of years to have some impact on their life on how they grow up. But I don't think it's enough, all right? Four and six is, it's, it's incredibly young. And, uh, and I guess the only, only way you can leave things behind is like, you know, to, like my wife does, she actually writes, uh, she writes to my kids of future. So In case. Yes. I mean, not in case, just for them when they grow up, they have, they have some memories of what, uh, 
uh, or, or what she was thinking then and how she was feeling then you know and, mm. and, and sort of in educative way and trying to trying to tell how, how was daddy how was mommy you know just some memories for them specifically yes for them, for them. Wow, that's a lot of work, man. Yeah, so she she, she takes the initiative and uh, so when they're, when they're 12, 13, 14, when they've got access to emails, which we have their emails, <laughs> so when they have access to their emails, then... Uh, they could have... Uh, yeah, oh. so th- I mean, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I don't I do not do enough of that, which I wish, I hope, which I... There's a lot of things I think I want to say and I want to say, but to sit down and write it is a whole different thing. I mean, it's like you've got to find the time, but things like this, if you actually prioritize, it actually has a big impact. If you ask me, if, it, if I was a kid and, and my daughter's age and, I, and let's say they passed, even if they didn't pass, they were around, reading something that, you know, that my, my, my dad or mom wrote 10 years, 15 years ago will have an impact. I believe it's quite strong in the way, you know, when you read it. So, so yeah, so things like that, I guess, can make a difference somewhat. I would have to. I mean, uh, I think I strongly agree with you. Because I, one of the reasons we are even having this conversation is because I, I believe that there's much that is not being shared, yeah. right? And, and here it's just us two talking, right? But I think, uh, I think again, like, man, <laughs> this is going to be an ongoing issue. <laughs> uh, but what I've realized is that the wealth of knowledge, even from our own parents. Like, I've had conversations with my parents, or my dad was still around, uh, asking, you know, hey, you know, you, you have lived X number of years in the world, and what advice do you have for me? And it took them by surprise. And uh, to the extent that they, they even never even had a thought about, hey, what's this advice that I want to pass on? Son, right, and it looks like from, from I think conversations that I've had, most of us just don't go around seeking advice, yep. and, and also, most people don't go around giving advice. I guess if people don't want the advice, you <laughs> don't, don't give the advice, yeah, right? Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but especially from older people, right? Especially from people who have seen things and lived, lived through times, right? Uh, the, the the lack of passing on that experience or you know that that the kind of lessons learned and the values and all man I think that is like a really missed opportunity yeah uh, and uh, and even when even if you say professionally if you're not talking you know even professionally one of the things I realized is if you need to have smart but kind people around you to, uh, you know, kind of put you in your place sometimes, yep. encourage you sometimes, advise you. And in a way, it's you, I don't want to say humble, uh, it, it kind of gives you a reality check, right? Because we, I, think, I think most of us go around thinking that we are the smartest beings, right? That, yeah. oh, I have an opinion and this is what I believe and I am so right. And it takes a level of openness to talk to somebody else and be open to the idea of, man, you know, maybe this is not the best way to do what you're going to do. Yep. In that sense. Uh, you know, so... I, <laughs> it's 
speak, speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of generations, my son is trying to break through the door. Uh, but it's locked, and I think he's not old enough to. He can, he can, uh, no, no, it's locked. Okay, so, okay. you know, unless he go find <laughs> I'll be in trouble. Uh, but speaking of which, uh, how do you see, now that we've had this kind of conversation, right? Would you have a conversation with your parents about your childhood? I mean, in order to learn about how to better be a better parent for your children? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's I mean, a question, I right? mean, it, it, it's tough. I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm, uh, like, uh, my relationship my parents, uh, again, in a very, uh, how would I put this? Like, uh, I think some people relate, some people don't, but it's like this uh, macho relationship sort of scenario where... <laughs> <laughs> well, there's love, but you know, and, and, you know, we sort of keep away. Not my mom. My mom is is uh, a very loving person, so she will she be the first to you know give you a hug and give you a kiss and everything. But between the males in the family, it's just a uh, what's up? Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> sort of scenario. But, but you don't. But have I, we don't. That conversa- the conversations of uh, uh, I guess uh, deep conversations. Uh, Occasions, I suppose. Where you got enough liquor in you, maybe. <laughs> but, oh, that's, but that's just switching off the filters. <laughs> it's not. Well, uh, I mean, but I mean, uh, I guess uh, uh, we don't just randomly go into and have an open conversation. No, I mean, uh, I don't know. It's not. Uh, it's, I, I will. I can have it with a lot of other people, but with, with my with my uh, parents, more is more guarded. I suppose that this has been like that. And but if there is something that I feel is not right and needs to be addressed, I'm not afraid to. Uh, or, or sit out and have a chat about it. But if it's everything's okay, then I, I just go. And, I don't go and find an open conversation with my dad, for example. <laughs> so it's just. I mean, uh, I, I I relate. I mean, uh, and I think most people would relate that there is a weird. I think lack of a better word, there's a weird awkwardness to all our relationships with our parents. I think it's yeah. very rare. Yeah, and when you hear, like, "Oh, my my mother's my best friend, and my father's my best friend." I, Maybe it's Asian culture. I don't know. I don't know whether it's kind of generalizing it. Uh, but I don't have an answer. But, you know, but, uh, man, it's going to be a tough one. I mean, uh, I've had awkward conversations with my, my mom. And it's tough, man. I mean, because yeah. I think if you, there's, there's your openness to talk about something. And then there's also their openness to listen. Yeah, correct. But there's also the openness to talk about something. And whether some, you're open to listen, right? Sometimes we are open to talk. Yeah, yeah. We are not open to listen. Correct. And, 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 and that's a huge difference. And and, the, and I guess the big thing is there is a major generation gap in the thinking levels where it's very hard to reconcile in some some aspects where you believe in, in open, okay, I believe this guy can do whatever he wants. It's a choice of his life. But then, you know, apparently may think, no, this is the only right thing to do. So, then you have a then you have a natural roadblock there. I mean, usually I I find that older generations who have set mind uh, need it's hard to you, know, you talk uh, tell them something else that they already believe in. Sometimes I mean it's something they have to experience and learn. Then they will go and and, and change their mind. But you know, especially coming from their children telling this you shouldn't do this or I I think this is okay. Uh, then uh, uh, you know they're just gonna tell you no, that's not okay. I mean, in the sense that uh, I think the whole whole saying is that uh, everything needs 
apparently. Yeah. yeah. So, we rebel comes <laughs> a grandfather and stops being a rebel, right? So I think in the sense that we will probably we'll go through the same phase unless we are actively looking to curb that behavior. Yep. So do I have a You know, sometimes me and my wife talk about how our kids, and, you know, we believe that, oh, you know, we have a level of maturity to our thinking, and, you know, we're not better than our parents. But even then, you, you realize when you have those conversations, you're like, oh, no, I would want them X, Y, and Z, or this is my expectation of them. And then you realize that you're doing the same, getting the same kind of expectations and boundaries. Maybe it was a different kind that your parents had on you, right? So, um, I don't know. I I guess uh, parenting. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I think again. I mean, uh, there's no one answer to this. I think uh, each of us, number one, they're all different. I mean, similar to me and my wife as well. We have got sometimes different ways of how what we want to do with the kids. And you know, people like to read articles, love reading articles, saying uh, this is what you should do, that's what you should do. Yes, they are brilliant guides. That should not be what you just do. I mean, end of the day, everyone will bring their, their kids differently. Their kids are also different. They have their own personalities. Whether you have good friends with them or you want to be more hard on them, you just have to adjust. As long as you, I believe you, you know, you are well, you know, you're good mannered. I mean, you want your kid to enjoy the best in life, and get the best experiences. You know. Uh, and obviously grow up to be a good person uh, I, I think you'll find a way to make it work so before we talk about that right, maybe we maybe we hit the head a bit too fast right I think uh, from you going to Australia to you having a family and children there's actually a lot of interesting <laughs> things <laughs> between even in those times right yeah, uh, yeah I mean I guess I want to go step back a little bit because I think it, uh, I need to address. I mean, I was not a good person in high school, I thought. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I used to be a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a bully. I was a good boy, actually, but I was also, I was bad to some people. Uh, really? Yes. Oh, I would have. I would have. I, I would have. So, there was a turning point, actually, okay. in high, high school. I mean, uh, in high school? Yes, yes. And a lot of people would, my friends would know this as the Pisang Goreng Lady. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I used to be, I mean, I used to... So how, okay, wait, before you tell it, how bad is this bullying that we're talking about? <laughs> I mean, I mean, there were two or three people maybe that uh, I just picked on because, uh, I don't know, I mean, it was, it was fun, I don't know, at that time it was easy and uh, I, don't, I don't know what, what made me do it. I mean, looking back, didn't didn't look at all the right thing to do. But were you like when you say I wasn't? Oh yeah. Were, were you like trying to understand this right in the, in the sense that were you alone bullying them for the sake of bullying or no, you were with mean, friends yeah, and people they, they, will they, laugh? They, and, they, yeah. they were friends and uh, and uh, I mean we, we're not talking about you know uh, but more and more name calling sometimes. Uh, uh, so I think uh, any Malaysian public. I spoke it. I don't know whether it's the case now, <laughs> but man, calling people names was like, thing, yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was just, spot. I mean, generally we were done across it the boards, but I don't know a couple of people where it was a bit more, 
Ashon. Yeah, Ashon. So I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and so some of them just was the, uh, at that particular time they asked for it. I don't want to go into details because. <laughs> So just, they asked for it defense. Okay. <laughs> Have you spoken to these people since? Have you no, not really. I mean, it? I mean, I mean, they, I mean, I, I would if I see them now, I would speak to them. Like, like no friends. Ask me. But would you address, like, you know? Uh, well, what if you, you sat down for a cup of drink, yeah, I would address it. I think. I but you say. wouldn't go. You don't think you would go out of your way to? No, I, I don't think it was so bad until I need to go until unless unless you know again. I'm assuming, right? <laughs> like, okay. it's not, no, not, but I, but to your point. If I were try to put myself in your shoes, if I felt they deserved it, <laughs> probably I would not want to reach it. Yeah. But it's very subjective. Yeah, again, it's subjective. It's, it's but it, very, very the, subjective. The deservance thing is it's really what, what you make of it, right? I mean, yeah. it's not necessarily actually, actually the truth. what it is. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So. so, okay. So, uh, so that leads up to this Pisang Goreng lady. Incident. Yeah. So, I, one thing I used to do, I used to take, I used to study in, uh, in Udu, KL. It was a private Catholic school at that time. Okay. Uh, so I used to take the LRT or take the bus from PJ school. And uh, coming back from school, I used to... And this is a vivid memory because it was bad. <laughs> and uh, I used to... The bus goes... Uh, I used to last stick people out of the bus. Right? So when people are driving motorbikes or they're walking. Uh, we used to play elastic in the bus, you know, elastic okay. rubber band with yeah, the yeah, paper. Yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. So yeah. across the across the bus, you know, two, two people would team up, and start. then one day we started shooting people out of the bus, people walking, and then. Wow. Yeah. So. Oh, well, it's not just you. It was like a bunch of you. Yeah, it was it was two or three of us. I mean, uh, I don't know. I was I was like all the time. So I don't know why. <laughs> and so you know, one time in Pulu Raya where there's a traffic jam and this like elastic somebody was walking and the uncle comes with a bottle and wanted to hit me you know I was like I was I was like oh, okay sorry 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 scenario but uh, but yeah I did, I did that and then one day you know uh, I think this was the worst this was my the peak of the, uh, who I was as a teenager the sort of switch thing but this is this is in uh, high school. So you're talking about 15? fifteen. I would say sixteen. This is about okay. fifteen, okay. sixteen. Okay, yeah. So we're coming down the road in Bangsa. Uh, on the, the way bus. back home, on the bus. School bus. School bus. Yeah. Okay. So there's this. I don't know if people remember, but there was a pisang goreng lady that sits there, uh, and and just as you head towards the. Telawi itself. Telawi, yeah, right? Or Marof. Uh, the main no, road. Telawi, okay. where all the shops are. Okay. So there's a road, there's a there's a long stretch of road with a pisang goreng lady. Uh, I think it's an Indian family. They used to uh, uh, a lot of people every day. So what we used to do is we used elastic, uh, not the pisang goreng lady, but the people that buy pisang goreng. Wow. So, okay, so it was just it was there, and then one day I, there was an empty can, all right, empty coke can, and uh, I sort of threw it out of the bus. Hoping to hit one of the people who was buying the pisang goreng. Okay. And uh, and then that was it, right? So I, I so I took the bus off. Uh, bus went off. I thought it hit somebody. Two weeks later, or three weeks later, a car trailed the bus. Mm. Uh, was the and stopped the bus. Basically blocked the bus off okay. the road, so the bus couldn't move. And really two got weeks down later, at about two weeks, it's about time okay. later. Okay. And uh, stopped the bus and said, "Who?" Came up to the bus guy. Who 
someone who threw the can. The can ended up in the hot oil, mm. which uh, I guess sphered over the lady's mother's hand. Wow. So I was uh, so I didn't know that them. So she said, uh, "Who who threw the can? Own up now. Ask the bus driver." The bus driver said, "You got to own up because we cannot move." So, so everyone was in the bus. Everyone looked at me. <laughs> okay, so you had no choice. I mean, I was like, <laughs> and I was shit scared then because she, I'm not going to call the school mm. if you don't do it. Uh, you know, it's going to be big trouble. So I said, I, I owned up, and you know, I got up and uh, did. Uh, I told I did, I did I didn't mean to to do that. I said I was sorry. I shouldn't have done it. You know, I was apologetic and and and, and I was afraid and everything you can think of as a kid. Were you were you really sorry or were you scared? I was scared. Right. I, I mean, I, I, uh, I, I no, guess it's understandable. Sorry, I, I mean, it's scared. understandable. I think yeah. the sorry part, I've not. Uh, I didn't. Obviously, the fact that when I heard the mother had, had actually heard a hand through the oil splashing, that was oh shit, that is like bad, right? So I mean, I, and then so I, that's when I know that I caused it, you know, because I threw the can. I didn't mean it, but yeah, it's an impact. Whatever you do in life is an impact. So, so she said, okay. She said that if you come and own yourself, I'm not going to call the school. But she eventually called the school anyway. Mm. So she was also in the bus. No, no, she was uh, the daughter of the, the the lady that got burned. Okay. So the daughter came after the bus. Okay. And then, uh, and then the school got notified, and obviously that that particular day, next day, I got called out, and I was on the. Uh, I guess they were making a decision whether they should expel me or not. That particular time. Because of the incident, because it's pretty serious incident, right? I mean, you you cause damage to yeah, uh, so, harm, yeah. yeah, pretty much. And uh, and uh, what you call it? What happened was one teacher, Mister Lewis, I remember him. He was my savior, so to speak. Okay. I mean, uh, he called me up, had a chat. You know, why did you do this? And and I and I think that conversation and that event turned sort of turned the things around. I mean. Uh, uh, I sort of was much more careful, much more aware. Uh, but what, what did he doing. say to you that made you realize something? That I mean, you... I don't think so. He said as what what I would not expect him to say. But I think the event. I mean, he, he probably said what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to try to keep you in the school. So through all that event, I mean, for me, uh, my, my parents still don't know about it. I think maybe they know. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so they know, I think they know, they knew, but probably they forgot about it. I mean, at that time they didn't. So they didn't know it. They didn't know about this until after high school, or after uni. So way, uh, way down the line. But at that time, they, I don't even know if they still remember it. But, but that particular event then, uh, uh, and he's telling, I'm going to try to keep you in the school, but you need to be, you know, yeah, I hope you've learned from this and, and things like this. So like, because that's a truly an event that I've hurt someone quite at a high level and it's my responsibility right anything could have happened a person could make a police report I could have been taken a juvenile court for harm bodily harm or whatnot. Mm. but so that event happened and I didn't I think I uh, I mellowed down significantly uh, I didn't do all the uh, you know, randomly so what about disturbing the, uh, people. Your, the group that was uh, I don't know I can't remember what the group what the group did after but uh, but I think everyone had a learning from that. No, it's no more. I think shooting out of the bus. <laughs> so I mean, we are laughing about it now, but it's actually pretty bad. Yeah, it is. It, I mean, if, uh... you, if you really think about it, it's. Uh, I mean, if you so you, you sort of start to to put yourself. I 
think that that was the first event where you really put yourself in that other person's state, right? What if I was that person? It was actually cooking and trying to make ends meet, uh, selling you know a, a daily snack for everyone, and you end up coming up and burning a hand. That didn't sound any anywhere near right to me at that time, and I think that's where, uh, and whoever and the auntie who's still out there is very sorry if you are anywhere chance of hearing this, but, uh, but it was uh, but yeah, I mean that event uh, has changed me in a certain extent where you know the risk I took. Uh, I was just more aware of what impact I had on other people if I did anything. I think that was quite important. You kind know, of bullying is a, it's a tough discussion. I mean, um, I mean, especially if you want to up to your own, yeah, uh, sort of uh, the part that you have played in, right? Um, I don't know, man. How do you? How do you? Okay, what's your learning from it to the extent that how do you ensure that maybe your kids don't bully how do you I mean I think that's what we need to embed in them I don't know my, my, I think my parents uh, I guess they, you know they're church going people it, they taught you the, the way of you know what Jesus would do sort of scenario but we were so rebellious at that time I mean we, we, we at the age I suppose and uh, when you're 12, 13, 14, uh, uh, what do you call if you if you're not listening to your parents by then it's going to be a probably a uphill challenge. Uh, but again, you have to be relatable to your parents. So again, where the parents of a of a different generation, like our parents, I think the approach they have taken was different to how we are doing it now. How how who would like to think how I'm doing it now? probably different whether it's more effective or not no one knows until when my kids are grown up but at the moment I'm, I'm sort of through my life experience I'm trying to teach them what is right or wrong and I'm, I'm doing it proactively but how do you how do you uh, I mean it's a tough it's a tough tough subject because, yeah uh, when you look at even our own experiences of life right it's almost always a process of escalating priority you know, when a kid buying that touring it gun was now it's probably 2200 I don't know and oh and having that right alien workshop t-shirt or <laughs> that wallet or it's really small things or then it's the exam it's the trials and uh, yeah acceptance having friends or or having girlfriends you know you have this whole thing and as we grow older and face bigger problems other things take priority yeah, and then now when you look back and you realize that you know most of the way things that you thought were so important when you were young actually not so important, right? But how do you how do you try to instill that, or how do you try to pass that information or experience down? Yeah, I mean tough question. Uh, I mean like a. Uh... Like my my kid, I guess, is now six, and uh, Caitlin, and so far, I mean, uh, I hope, I think, in the current age, she's much more aware. I mean, she tells me a lot of things that I don't. So, for for example, like swearing. I mean, uh, uh, when I swear, you know, she picks up on all the, all all of it, and and she tells me why are you swearing so much. You know, mm. she actually asked me the question. Said, and whenever I say a bad word, she says. 
stop stop saying bad words or so there's some awareness there and a lot of things she picks up uh no you shouldn't do that i mean that that look at that poor person why don't you help that person out or the animal i mean uh, so that awareness that i've taught them although i'm not be some even even i'm uh, i guess guilty of not doing it all the time but because you've sort of inbred from young that this is the this is what you should do this is what you should help and they see a, a person walking down the road and and, and as a, as a younger person i probably would have ignored it but uh, you know at 6 years old she's pointing out and saying you know you should why why don't you help out this auntie poor auntie you know getting you know i get i mean those things needs to be developed i think naturally uh, if you if you ignore it as an adult and you don't address that you know there are struggles in the world and people are struggling there are things that are suffering uh, their kids will not ignore it as well they won't see it so i think that's a important part of it at least but uh If I had to, if I was asked to rate who the right and who would I rate people of kindness, right? I think you and as one more person probably you know that I would rate very highly on that scale <laughs> of what the kindest. I just feel like both are kind of similar, only born to different parents, right? In the sense of good-hearted kind people right so even for you to say that if you know there was this you were not always like this or there was something that had to happen for you to become the person that you are today as uh that's interesting right i yeah. mean uh not many of us have the opportunity to was traumatic experience yeah 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 for all parties uh but you know, that didn't happen Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could have been out of continue being. It could be a rascal yeah, today, lah. And I would have been even. I would have expelled. I mean, I would just continue doing bad things. I don't know how long would unless something worse happened. Maybe until I would have changed. But you know, I mean, thank God it was nothing super serious. Thing that that that. Uh, oh, but no, thank God. Uh, over the antros, that I'm taking to the level of yeah. making sure to expel. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, it's a lucky break, yeah, huh? Yeah, it's a lucky break, yeah, and that's <laughs> right. I mean, break. so I mean, with the help of, uh, you know, with the help of a few people, I suppose, as well. And and yeah, another thing was, I guess, at the age I was growing up as well. I mean, uh, uh, we had a dog that come came to our house, mm. right? I mean, I I uh, I was, I think, quite an emotional kid, as in, uh. I would like I wanted to share things, share feelings. So, uh, but I guess uh, gener- how our parents grew up was different, right? I mean, you don't really talk about feelings as much. I think. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess that's where that when there's this dog named Buddy who came to came to Buddy. our house, Buddy. Yeah, thirteen, fourteen, fourteen years old, and that that was another life changing event for me. I mean, uh, if you ask me, because. Uh, That dog taught me a lot of stuff because, uh, and meaning that, a lot of my conversations where I spoke to somebody was to to that dog. Although no one is listening, I mean, how no, old were you? When? I was this. If I'm not mistaken, the dog came to our house probably when I was twelve, uh, thirteen, around that age. So, okay. so 
I think the relationship developed over time. So, you know, it used to be a dog that's outside and he started to come in and he used to live indoors with us. And I used to come up to my room and then we started. Wow. Yeah, so it all evolved. And, uh, and obviously the sad part was, I think that was some of the closest beings, so to speak, uh, or a living thing I was to. When, when he died, I wasn't there. So that was, that was quite, you know, had a massive impact on me when I was in uni. So he died when I was in uni. Okay. When you so, were in Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, so although you say it's a dog, but uh, I think there's the level of teaching depends on how much you're connected to it or bonded with the animal. Yes, uh, has a level of teaching. I think that helped me go through things uh, personally that I may had as a kid. Uh, just voicing out, although it's like a uh, an animal, but you know, helped me deal deal with stuff like that. Would time. you say around that age you had friends? Yeah, yeah, I had friends, I had friends, but, but these conversations. Yeah, this, not... I guess these conversations at, at that age, right? I mean, you wouldn't have you would not learned to talk about. Okay, but having said that, like having that, said yeah. that, it, it's not really a conversation because the dog's not talking back to yeah, you. Yeah, of course not. Right? No. Or was the dog talking back to you? I don't know. Right? <laughs> Pretty sure not. <laughs> so, why why do you think or why why did you feel like you couldn't say those things even to your friend? I don't know. I mean, uh, at that age, maybe ego. Ego uh, at at twelve, really? I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, I, I don't think so. Ego. No, no, I take that back. Ego. I take that back yeah. because I see ego in my two year old son. So, <laughs> okay, I take that back. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, maybe it's just at that age. Uh, you, I mean, these things are probably too much for people to handle, or you wouldn't make that assumption. I suppose at that time. But that's and, the thing, right? In the sense that, do you do you think that? You know, I I'm. I'm very careful on even the type of TV programs that I watch, which is a huge problem in this house because sometimes my wife wants to watch something that I don't want to watch. And, and it's dictated. It's not so much that my taste and her taste, right? Like a simple example is I hate to watch, I don't say hate is a very strong word, but I prefer not to watch like all this teenage drama about high school bullying and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Only because like, I can't seem to wrap my mind around the idea of how teenagers think. Probably I thought the same way, right? But for me, as an adult, or as ever fastly growing adult, to to see things in a way of simplistically, oh, you're ugly, you're beautiful, you're popular, you're not popular, and you realize that there are kids in these TV shows, although it's just a show and they're actors, you realize that, you know, you, in real life that there are kids who have this you know their peer pressure you know I feel like you know oh I can't go to school today they're going to bully me and you know I, I I'm not pretty and you know and you know the extreme cases of course are the kids like commit suicide can't handle peer pressure but in, you know in reality we know now that hey, it doesn't matter what other people think about yeah. you, right but you think that all oh, the whole world is against me right it doesn't matter if your parents love you and family loves you but you know and and it's oh man my, I'm a loser I hate my life blah 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 and although these are just shows and hopefully they all have a happy end I realized that it's actually a reflection of society as well so I just don't like watching those things because like man how do I ensure this little creature that's living in my house now that, that you know one day when he goes to school or whatever he, he doesn't have this level of Security that you know somebody else can dictate 
how you feel about yourself. Right. And for me, that's like... Yeah, I mean, I think that's where the grounding... I mean, uh, us knowing this as a possibility. I mean, uh, there is no... I guess there's no book to tell you how to avoid it. I think you just have to... Man, but, but this is not just a problem for kids, right? I mean, even as adults, peer pressure is still a, yeah. a, a real There's still a lot. I've seen people of the whole spectrum, not just people 30s or 40s, but, you know, still care very much what other people think about or what Thing. and big vision you know done based on and I, I honestly I don't know whether there's, there's something that can yeah. I, I do not like I have tried tackling some of I have failed <laughs> you know I have failed I end up looking like a crazy person uh, you know so in the sense that those are like things that I can't wrap my mind around. The fact that, you know, one day my son can walk into a school and feel like he doesn't belong. Right. Yeah. And he just because there are other people thinking looks ridiculous or whatever it is, as I don't know, he might. But it, I think to that extent, how do we tackle that issue? I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know whether it's a, uh, something that we can even tackle. Right, uh, but uh, you know, self confidence, man. How do you? How do you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think. <laughs> and how do you? How do you empower? Have, have self confidence, but not so much that they're so overconfident they end up being the bully, right? Because <laughs> that's that's the reality, right? That's the reality, right? I mean, uh, even if we see ourselves, usually the bullies are the overconfident. I think I'm in the world, blah 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 and I can whatever I want so you don't want that right but at the same time you don't want um, oh I'm how do you get thought of I'm valuable and everybody's valuable <laughs> uh, yeah I mean we see I mean for me kids nowadays is there is a quite large level that is uh, nurture and, but there's also a level of nature involved. I think kids, there is, there is a relevance, you know, how your mommy's personality, there, there, there is a biological impact on the kid, how they develop. I think there's a percentage in there uh, that, is, uh, that is nature. I think we need to be aware of that. And so we need to adjust to each kid differently. And I think one thing that you can probably look at is the level of EQ is, I think, incredibly important in, in, in this new age. So I think kids have, have a good balance of EQ. Uh, or for me, it's way more important than IQ. Although IQ gets you to gets you to places, EQ keeps you balanced and uh, you know helps you make the right decisions. Suppose you know in life, in a sense. So would you, would you say there's also the stigma of uh, of all this new generation of that just patifi softy kind of you know I mean I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. kind of exaggerating but I'm, you know even for example we talk about millennials right all millennials oh they look at the way world or oh, look at it so differently and you know, they are so sensitive and you know they, oh, they have a feeling about everything and all that uh, whether it's valid or not case by case but 
but how do you you know how do you avoid where's the where's the balance how do you get the balance of i i, I hear you when you say there's not a one size fits all yeah. solution because some people need to be pushed some people might break if you push right got to like no uh, right. uh definitely not a one size fits all solution but you know having two kids yourself I'm pretty sure you've given this some thought like Yeah, uh, I mean like my, both kids for me see like uh, I've got two different kids. Yeah, I think through nurture they're brought up the same. Obviously one came before the other and maybe got a bit more attention but we've not changed the way we brought them up but both have different totally different personalities. I think it's very familiar to most parents. So what drives them may be different and how how you push them may be different as well. Uh, like uh, my first kid is she's much more emotional right uh, and i was naturally as a relatively quite uh, aware of things emotionally you know how people are feeling how things are feeling so so she's a strong point there then you start to have to push a backhand i call it a backhand so their personalities may be strong in certain angles so they may be weak in others let's say confidence she's lacking confidence so how do i work I don't want you to change to be an overconfident person and then lose uh, because you can't change uh, for me your personality is is round it's like almost a set you want to just develop it so you can't switch a person from being a a super overconfident person uh, who was a before this a introvert right you can't switch suddenly to be a full introvert uh, you could probably work on it as an introvert I'm an introvert so I work on my you consider yourself an introvert yes I consider myself Yeah, so and uh, but I try to work on my backhand. So I mean, I I I I'm also uh, what do you call it? Previously, I was more of as a professional. There's a lot of self doubt, you know, over lack of confidence on my side as well. So th- those were things that bec- through my introvert personality, I suppose, existed. But I see that as okay, fine. I know I'm I'm uh, not strong in those areas. So those are like my I try to work out my. Uh, presentation skills and you know, how do I uh, address people so that's my backhand so I use I try to work on those to get better at those but not necessarily be excellent at it uh, because I don't want to be changing who I am uh, just to fit someone else's needs for me I see it as a backhand uh, yes it's not as strong but you know I still can use it sort of scenario so that's what I want to do with my kids as well so she's strong you know in uh, you know this level of you know emotions but she's uh, i guess lack of self confidence so I, i bring her confident enough to do things so not necessarily be overconfident you know like an an uh, outgoing extrovert you can do stand up on a stage and suddenly start speaking for 2 3 hours like you know you mm-hmm. would see a lot of people do but oh yeah that's so that's where you got to find the balance I suppose you got to understand who your kid is what she's strong at and then and and, and they will figure it out as they grow older as well But at this age, I think it's important that you're close enough to your kid to try to figure out or know enough that where their strong points are and what you need to develop. Suppose. Okay. In the okay. So speaking of 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 that, um, we kind of okay. So just to kind of unpack this again, right? So there was this. Episode that changed your life, or changed how you looked at life, right, or behavior and all that. Then you went to study in Australia. Yes. You're in Australia. Yeah. 
and you complete it. Complete it, yes. And then you came back to my stuff. Right. So I was back here for I would say a year and well, I also met my wife, uh, who I've already known in Malaysia. Sort of okay. uh we got together while we were in Australia. So we were actually she was in Brisbane at that time. I was This in was Perth. while you were still studying. Yes. So towards okay. towards the end of my studies, I would say. Uh, probably the last semester or so, and uh, we we connected. Uh, I knew her here from church, and uh, and we sort of started talking online. And she made a trip down to Perth one day, and long story short, you know, we got together, but we were in different places, right? So, and we sort of understood that at that time, uh, we didn't know what was the future going to hold. Uh, she went back to Brisbane, obviously. And, but were you guys? I'll to ask, but were you guys like? Was it like? Yeah, it was a boyfriend girlfriend. Exclusive boyfriend girlfriend scenario. That's a stupid question to ask. <laughs> yeah. me, but, okay. So what they call it? Uh, so she went back to Brisbane, and uh, as my six months later, uh, uh, so we were still exclusive, so okay. to speak, and. Uh, and I had to go back. My visa finished. I tried to stay back. Uh, couldn't get a visa to stay on. And uh, so why was that? Why you graduated from Australian University? Correct. Why couldn't you get a job? Uh, or... it's not 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 that simple. I mean, as a graduate, uh, at that time it was harder to get a visa. So, so you, you need to have a job, or you need someone to be sponsoring you. When you say that time. You mean now it's easier? Yeah, I think it's now not to say there's been changes in the laws over time. So there was one time graduates were able to get a visa for two years for them to look for a job, but that was not during my time. Uh, but now they have that. Uh, uh, but during my time was after I finished studied, uh, you either can you carry on studying to stay in our country, or you got a job and uh, there was someone who was helping sponsor your visa, right? So, so that was the. If you say, uh, I think it's an interesting question because. I think most parents, if they got it, they want to continue. Yeah. Especially higher education, right? And I think most of the time, it is the expectation is most people probably the expectation is study overseas, get a job overseas, settle overseas, and have a better life, so to speak. That's so to that's speak. the uh, you know that's assumption. The, I don't know. That's just whatever yeah, yeah. ambition that parents have, right? Yeah. To have a better life than what they've had. So if if you could. Uh, if you could do this again, maybe just that part about studying, graduating, not getting a job in Australia. Do you think there's anything you could have done? You could do it again. Is there anything you could have done to make sure that maybe studying the right thing or did something during when studying made your life easier to get a visa? I mean, if if you ask me to go back, what I know now, I I don't know if I would change anything to be honest. I mean. Uh, but what about you? You could have, if you did an engineering degree, maybe you would have got a higher chance of getting a, a visa. So depending on your skills, on your job skill points, on what you can bring to the country, you would have maybe got a visa doing engineering. So for just example. say this: there's, there's somebody listening right now. Yeah. Because sister or daughter or father is about to make a decision to send to go or to send somebody study abroad. Yeah. I know it's weird to have this conversation when there's a global pandemic, <laughs> but you will assume that it will not be forever, right? Yeah, so yeah. at some point, if somebody's making a decision to, you know, I want to, because we hear this all the time, right? Sending my daughter to the US and 
failure, what advice would you give based on your experience? Not, I'm not asking if you have regrets. That's not the question. I think is what would you tell somebody now? Uh, but they're making a decision that you brought to ensure that. How do you ensure, or what do they need to do to, you know, study, graduate, and get a job? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, you're sending your kid overseas. The first goal is to make sure they get through their studies. Secondly, is to make sure they build independence. I think throughout that time, those are the two things we can you should be looking at. I mean, you get a job unless you know someone or you know for sure that 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 person is going to get a job. Uh, or have to, or studying something that will allow the person to get a job or a visa, I would say that should not be your, the main reason you send your kids overseas. Uh, uh, and the first thing is to get make sure you know they get the exposure, they meet new people, uh, and they see what is it to live overseas. You know maybe they go work for their own money for a while because money hourly rates they are overseas are much better. <laughs> so I think uh, those things like that. It's the main, the main reason. Whether you decide to stay there or not, uh, number one is do what you want to do. Uh, don't do what you need to do to stay over overseas. That's what I personally believe, at least. Uh, and then do what you want to. Yeah. So what what, what you love you to do, need. I suppose. Yeah. That sounds very confusing. So what what you want to do is probably what it would I suppose uh, follow your interests. If you if if you know you love architecture. Well, it's not going to get you a, a visa. I mean, don't give up architecture because it's not going to get you the visa, right? Again, again, it could be if you love that visa so much, that's what you're going a, a, a overseas for, then you've got to, I guess, rethink what is, what's more important to you. Or the, that's a need the, in the a one kind of sense. The, the pragmatic side of me would say, that, okay, let me clarify by saying that I'm 100% on board with chase what you want. Yeah. I'm on board with that. But the pragmatic side of me would also say that if you are going abroad study, or if your parents are, are paying for your education abroad with the hope that you will settle abroad, and if what you're studying is not going to help you settle abroad, then you can chase your dream in you know, at home, right, in Malaysia or where it is that you are, correct, and save a lot of money, and still chase your dream in the, in that sense. But uh, but that's just me being very. And the the where it comes to the reason you're sending your kid overseas or reason you want to go overseas for me was really is opening your eyes to uh, yes, uh, a more global uh, environment, uh, living by yourself working uh, earning an income supporting i know for for me if parents are sending overseas really they should only be paying for their fees uh kids should be looking after their, their how, expenses. how often is that yeah. exactly so i mean it's not the exact the case but that's what they should strive to do i mean for me as a parent i'll be looking for example myself uh my parents supported the me for my expenses because I didn't know how to work. I never used to. Mm. I, I did in Malaysia. I worked uh, for you know small companies. <laughs> I used to be a telemarketer. You know, I used to to. Uh, hey, my first job was a telemarketer. Yeah, so it's just God. I mean, and you used to get like three or four ringgit an hour. So the value for money for the work you put in 
didn't make much sense and uh and so you just didn't want didn't want to work and i just so we we create that unfortunately we created that culture here where uh someone like me at that time didn't want to work because the money was so little unless it's getting paid but mm. but you know we still get people who were willing to work other other children who are more i guess uh grown up to be more independent or more hard working they will work for that four bucks and i will i wasn't that person but i went when i went overseas uh i did multiple jobs i used to be a cleaner I used to clean houses. I clean houses because I was getting fifteen fifteen Aussie an hour. Oh. You know, so that's like forty five ringgit. So yes, give me a job. I mean, and I I used to do to do the kitchen. I was a kitchen hand, clean plates. You know, I used to get like eleven bucks an hour. But if if let's say if I would ask you, if I would play the devil's advocate, I think having parents that can afford to send you abroad is a luxury on its own. Yes, I think. Uh, Um, majority of people would not have the luxury, right? Don't you think that these virtues that you're saying about learning to be independent, learning to own, keep, and your money, can that be achieved as well? I mean, can that be achieved without having to pay an exorbitant amount of money to study abroad? It can. I mean, uh, you see, I mean, it is. Uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of kids actually do that nowadays as well. I mean, uh, looking, looking at the current, current scenarios. But I, I am not. I think I'll put to... the mic closer a bit. Just move it a bit closer. All right. Okay. So I mean, um, see, I'm not gone through the experience of 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 studying locally. My brother did. My brother studied in uh, in uni ten and uni, but he did eventually did his masters overseas, but. Uh, but from my my knowledge is not many kids who's in unis, uh, I would say work to sustain themselves, right? I mean they work because uh, it's more for uh, for expenses. Uh, no one works to sustain. No one's the rent is all usually covered by parents or uh, the fees because it's included in the fees. So there's no there's no independence in sustaining themselves. Their food on the table. You're uh, talking about locally. Uh, oh. locally okay. yeah so uh, rent uh, not many at least so when you go overseas after for a while I think I, I think that even not many kids actually sustain themselves a lot of parents still have the money they give them but kid, some some of us when they started to start parents start to feel the pinch mm. and you can start to see that they feel the pinch you start to and you work and you are wanting to work because the money you earn is actually uh gives you a good lifestyle you can actually sustain yourself and you could keep them and do them use the money for extra things so mm. so that's an that's an example that you probably won't get much of here it's probably harder to do it to get it as well but it's a premium to pay right you know I mean, it is it is for you to earn that x amount even like doing you know cleaning houses in australia you're actually paying a huge amount in correct in fees and all yeah. able to win the privilege of earning yes. that right and and I, i guess that part is where uh the, if uh, it is more expensive but that the what I, that uh, activity that I was I was doing was i'm generating that income right i'm generating that income uh, although it's more expensive to pay the fees which i was not paying which my mm. parents was paying that experience that i was getting doing it is that's what is the value to it have you ever spoke to your parents about why australia why why Uh, I mean, it was mostly a lot of the decisions I, I made. Okay. All right. I mean, I said what I wanted to study, 
uh, which was relatively around what our friends talked about. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there's okay. So there. Uh, yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. So um, in the I mean, and, and if you ask me, I I didn't know I was going to be a professional accountant. I didn't know I was going to be an accountant when I was studying. I I just wanted to know. I didn't know what I was going to be. I mean, a lot of younger kids nowadays or you know, people who have at sixteen, seventeen, they know exactly what they want. I didn't know what I want until I was like a. Uh, what I wanted to do until I was like twenty one, twenty two. I was just you know, going, getting by, and you know, doing this thing that. But it's 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 the fallacy, right? In the sense that it's very rare for people to want. Yeah, it's very rare. I think if you talk to, you know, many people that you know, and you ask them, hey, what is it that you really want? What is your passion? You know, what do you fight about but most people just step blankly you can say what you're I mean about. I, I wanted to be a footballer that's I mean, my passion yeah. <laughs> you no, know but but there's a difference between um how do I, okay so I think uh, I that I have to quote smarter people because I don't have to visit myself right uh, so stuff like uh, Tony Robbins right so motivational speaking on that he says something that is very interesting, which I try to apply to situations, to kind of analyze situations. So one thing he says repeatedly is that when people fail to achieve what they want, right, they usually blame resources, right? And in most cases, 99.9% of the time, it is resourcefulness, yep. right? That means they are not resourceful. And an example that he gives is always that you know, if you wanted to do something, if you really want to do something, can anybody really stop? Yeah. Right. Uh, and if you want to do something, could you find the money? And if you want to do something, could you find the time? You know, could you find people to help you? And if somebody was to ask you those art questions, right? Eventually, they'll say, "Yeah, I probably could have found the time." Yes, I probably could have found money. I probably could have found the people. So the fact that it didn't happen is it's not that uh, you know, it's purely on us, Correct. so to speak. Right? Like you say, like, the, only, the only limit in this life is ourselves. What we set limits to, actually. A lot, a lot of it is you can, if you, you can say if you are resourceful enough, you'll find a way to get it done or find a way to do it. It's just whether people are, will, are wanting to do it or they want to actually pay the easy buck out or they just don't want to do it at all, I, I suppose. The, 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 the premise of maybe the thing that, that maybe we, where I don't see what you're saying is when you mentioned just now that Kids these days have it, have a, no, they know what they, they want to do, right? I don't know if that's. Yeah, maybe maybe it's not. Maybe. Uh, I, I do, uh, because finding what your passion is in life, man, that's a, that's a tough question. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough question. Many successful people don't have it. Yeah. Right? Even you talk, you know, top business people, you ask them about passion. Not everybody's going to say, yeah, 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 I'm living my passion. There is what we do to survive. Yeah. And then there's passion. If you are one of those rare people where 
passion coincides with what you survive in terms of your job. That's freaking important. Right? For the rest, that pursuit of, you know, finding that yeah. passion and, you know, and making it align, you know, that's great for most people, right? Uh, so, I don't know, man. I, I don't know whether these days have it Possibly. figured out. Uh, I mean, in the sense that they might think they want, like, oh, I want to be a YouTube star. <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> you know. The minute I said I want to create a, yeah, I think I'm starting a podcast. Oh, you want to be a YouTuber? Is it? I'm like, I don't know, man. I never thought about being a YouTuber, but I think doing a podcast is going to be fun, right? And then when I start talking to people, like, they realize that, oh, being a, a kind of, I'm not using it as a slanderous way, right? But it's just many people want to be a YouTuber, right? But I don't know whether even if doing a podcast or being a YouTuber, a passion, right? Yeah. I don't know if that is a passion, right? I think the example that I can give is like, uh, you know, oh, you love football. Right? You love football so much, you want to talk about football. And then you start a, a, a channel or a podcast talking about football, right? And that people gravitate towards you and it becomes big. But that doesn't mean that your, your passion is not become a podcaster or right. a right. YouTuber, right? Your podcast is your, your your passion is actually uh, your interest in football, yeah. right? That's what you're passionate about. So I think that that spot's kind of missing in the sense that people don't see the passion; they just see the the kind of like Content. the flashy thing that's nice. Oh, these guys are awesome! All oh, these guys, but they don't see that there's there's passion that drives them. So they lock on to, oh, it'd be cool to be rich, right? So if I was a YouTuber, I'll be rich. If I was doing this, I'll be rich. If I was doing that, I'll be rich. Without locking on to what drives that, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, I know. I mean, it's the it's a substance that they don't fo- they focus on how it's uh, form, I suppose, you know, rather than uh, the, the substance which is. But that should be a driver of whatever you do. I mean, not the uh, not like uh, like you said. I want to be a YouTuber, so I'll do this. But I want to I want to I want to do this. So this is you know result of a podcast because we want to explore stuff from a. From a, in a deeper in from a deeper meaning of things, I suppose. Yeah, I, I don't know whether good enough example, but people get very concerned and taste the result. Yeah. But what brings you the result? You need to have passion for the. Not passionate about that. So you want to talk about what I say for still. Ninety-nine percent of people play football. Imagine how awesome if I was professional. Or, you know, <laughs> imagine playing in a World Cup. Imagine scoring yeah, the goal, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's the job. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Yes, football. but the activity is actually on every big house. All the time. How many of us actually put in that effort? Yeah, yeah. And how many of us, you know, take so many coaches and tryouts? How many knows take still try again, try again, try again, right? I think in the sense that there are people Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think another example I can 
great example uh, um, a friend that was by Friend wanted to meet up with him. We were all there because kids and so okay, we go to the restaurant, being up and I was just expected to right? So I was friend, whatever. Dad was with friend. So turned out that the friend brought the whole family. And the reason he wanted to meet friend's father. His son wanted to be pilot. Right? Asking advice and guidance. So his question was, "Why do you want to become a pilot?" And the kid blew me away. It literally, I was like, I was a bit dumb kid, but even I thought, like, man, that was a stupid answer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, "Oh, oh, you know, I the pilots all their life, oh, very nice salary, travel the world," and then I was like. Man, like what a what a silly answer because you're just talking about the job, right? Yeah. You're, you're merely talking about the fact that you know it is so awesome to you know be a, earning so much and having this lifestyle instead of focusing. Hey, man, I love to fly. You know, I love. I'm passionate about. It, I want to learn about what I want to do. And I think that's like. Yep. I, I want to be a pilot because. I love to fly, right? I've always been a pilot, you know, flying, blah, blah, blah. Or is it, oh, I want to be a pilot because, man, I love to fly. Right? And I'm sure there are people, or, well, and, and I'm not sure if one is right or one is wrong. But I'm just saying there's difference. Correct. On that. I feel most people now say they are very sure based on the result. Oh, yeah, I want to be X because of that kind of understanding what passion drives that you know I don't, I don't yeah I mean I mean it's it's like uh, going back to uh, purpose I suppose you know I mean uh, need a purpose lah. I mean in most things in a deeper meaning for it to I guess for us at least that's what we are after you know people maybe alright I mean that's nice to have I'd rather have the surface level stuff more money and I'll work out all everything else later people may have that point of view but that's that's what it is that's what it is but there's there's nothing wrong that i don't yeah. i don't think there's anything wrong with that uh i think if you are if you're a successful professional doing whatever great yeah uh, and, I, and I, but what i'm saying is that if you are a, a teenager or if you are just about to go to college or university and your assumption is Oh, I want to be a doctor or a surgeon, or because you know I'm gonna earn a lot of money, right? Not knowing the stress level of studying to be a doctor, you know, how good you have to actually be without day in day out the stress of a job. You know, it's high stakes, high pressure, yeah, right? Yeah. If you don't have passion, because you're gonna have like massive down days. You're gonna have like massive days where you just like, why am I? So if you don't have that passion on the drive and you're only looking at the result I don't think you can make it la, in, in that sense so, yep. so for most people who have made it means they've kind of gone through the process so if you are a pilot now you've probably gone through the process and you have an appreciation for it and your, your 
passion has brought you to the result that you want, right? That's fine. But what I'm saying is, if you are not gone through the process, and then you say like, oh yeah, I, I want to be a, uh, you know, a YouTuber, or oh, I think I want to be a, nobody says I want to be an engineer, like, cool. I mean, <laughs> I studied engineering, but I don't know anybody who's like, yeah, let's be an engineer at school, right? <laughs> so I'm trying to think of like jobs that people think, like, oh, this is a great job to have. Uh, but it's, it's tricky, man. Uh, uh, I suppose that finding what you really want to spend your time doing is, is, uh, is, is possible, but it's not an easy Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's very it's big difference. The result versus what you actually want to do. I don't know if that makes sense, but oh, make it makes sense. I mean, uh, what do you call what? Do you, I mean, it it tells a lot, lah. But like, even even if you reflect on your own on your own self, I mean, uh, over time you develop. Suppose sometimes if you don't have or you don't know what the purpose is, sometimes it takes time to find that purpose. So it's like you know whatever you're doing in life, I suppose, uh, whatever work you're doing. Uh, Behind it, there is probably some deeper meanings and deeper purpose where you can attach yourself to. Like for myself, in my work, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm an accountant, so to speak. Quite so uh, to speak. So to speak, like <laughs> I do a few other things as well. <laughs> so, but I mean, uh, I learned to enjoy it by finding value in the work I provide to other people or the value to the company I bring. You know how how it impacts the company. So I see that I find that I try to find the purpose and the value, and and that's how I, that's how I apply myself in the job, and then that's what gives me motivation, I suppose. So we can find that you know whatever we do, or I mean we cannot be, you know, chasing golden rings, assuming that you know we're going to be but, but doing exactly what we don't want. Do you but think that, that it's okay if you're not ambitious? It's okay if I think the toughest realization that I had was. You know, it's okay if the only reason you work is to get a salary. Yeah. You want a salary so that you still you want to be able to pay your game for it. Uh, or if you have a family, you want to spend time with your family. Yeah. I think that is perfectly all right. Yep. I, I mean, I agree. I mean, this is a, it's a personal thing, I believe. Yeah. Even then, I would say that it's identifying that, hey man, your passion family you're, you're passionate and that's your passion know that that's your passion and you are doing whatever you want. yes exactly uh, I mean that's again that, that, that's just being aware of, of that's what you want I mean I mean uh, you, if you've if you're aware that this is what I want in life this is enough for me this what makes me happy then that's your choice in life I mean there's no one else should be telling you otherwise uh, if that's who you truly are so that's how we look at it <laughs> how about uh, okay so so how about so you came back to Malaysia yes right so uh, I was in Malaysia for three, two years so two years so total uh, me and my wife were in a long distance relationship for about two and a half to three years right okay. we probably saw each other one or two years once once or twice a year okay uh, for that time period and uh, I eventually got back to Australia um, and uh, through a de facto visa so which means if I lived with my uh, with her I could apply for a visa 
so so as as what as de facto so it's a de- in, in australia if you live with somebody you're like a de facto spouse so to speak okay. so they have yeah. that that legal thing right so through that so I've you read, went back to australia probably because to be with your wife or yes i mean now and, wife, and, and, then and girlfriend and that, and that and that in that period of it, i also wanted to stay in australia right? okay let's rewind a little bit so when you came back to malaysia What were you doing in Malaysia? You were working, right? Yes, working. So I got a job. Uh, I was working as a tra- management trainee uh, with a local company here. And okay. uh, that was a good job. Yeah, pretty good job. Uh, I've got, there's a lot of potential for me to actually move, grow. But again, I mean, I went through the struggles of uh, the Malaysian graduate, which is okay. challenging. Where you What live, does that mean? living by on paychecks. Uh, where you know, you know, you you get a paycheck, which is I used to earn. Uh, I think as a management trainee when I started was you know less than a thousand ringgit a month. Wow, is it like an internship? Yeah, it's sort of internship. They do they do give you a lot of training. You know, they, they take you. So how long is that for? That was six months, right? Six, six months. months, and then uh, you went on to a different did, department. Did they call it a salary or did they call it like an it's allowance? Sort of supposed to be like an allowance. Okay. And then and then you started earning. Fresh graduate so at that time, which is about two less than two k or so. Okay. And uh, so that was six months of of internship allowance. Yeah, yeah. And and then after it was I was started on the job. So okay. the, the department I chose which was a finance department. That's how I started my career in finance. Uh, and then you still took back a paycheck, right? I mean, uh, you, I mean. But that's everywhere in the world. You take back a paycheck. Right. I suppose, but but that's not. I mean, actually. And that was the difference. I mean, in you know, in in Australia, I guess in comparing in Malaysia, the difference is the level of income disparities is much lower. So when you have when you have got a high income earner and a graduate, the income gap is not huge. It's not it's not huge as Malaysia where it can be like hundred times different sometimes or fifty times difference. It's a relatively smaller. So your the lifestyle that you live. And even as a graduate, in over uh, a graduate work working graduate, is actually you know uh, you can actually do more things. You can maybe mm. buy a car. After mm. two years, you can buy a house, and you can start going on holidays because your money is better, so to speak. So this mm. is what I was after mm. at that age. I was after that, and uh, and uh, also my my wife at that time was in Australia. So what I did was your girlfriend. The time was oh, over. Right? Okay, okay. 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 No, I'm just trying to get the timeline right. <laughs> so I don't get confused. Yeah. So, okay, so at that time, you guys were doing long distance, as you know. Long right? distance. Okay. Yeah. So you were doing everything you can to get yourself to Australia. Yes. So, so we, we tried many ways, and you know, we almost ended it. To be honest, at that time, because we didn't find any way for me to get up until we found this de facto setup. So at this point. She graduated in Australia. She managed she to working. find a job. Yeah, she was working. Okay, so she was there. She was basically living there. Correct, and she bought a she bought a place as well. Uh, okay. So she was living in. A, in okay, a, so she had no plans. House, yeah. To come back at that point. No, right. She had so, no plans to okay. come back. So she was happy, and I know she was. I, I was wanting to go there as well, but there was no avenue for me at that time until we found one, and I quit. I quit. So basically, uh, I quit my uh, my job. I was wanted. The company uh, helped release me off that bond, so you didn't have to pay anything. No, so okay. I mean, and yeah, sort of understood the situation I was in, which I told them openly what it was. Uh, which was what? Well, you know, long, yeah, the relationship was long distance, and you know, uh, I was planning to go overseas. 
and so I went overseas without a job and uh, I was probably three months without a job I lived in an apartment had no salary literally I was uh, no money uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I was living off her income to be honest at that time uh, and my, I, was, I had some savings as well but okay. you know so it she wouldn't was have sufficient your de facto sugar papa <laughs> <laughs> so if you, okay, I, she's gonna be so pissed. <laughs> okay, temporary. Okay, yeah. And then uh, about so I, I work like hell, like you said. You know, this is mm. your limit is only yourself because as a Malaysian coming overseas looking for mm. a job, uh, number one is and no without Australian experience, companies wouldn't usually hire you. Without Australian work working experience, experience okay. yes. So uh, that's the first thing they'll ask you. Have you worked before? Have you worked here before? So I had to apply 500 jobs. I kept an Excel sheet. You had applied 500, 500 jobs. 100? Yes. Jobs. And how, this was online application process? Yes, online applications. You meet agents. But but officially, I would say in, 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 in the range of 500 because I, keep an, I kept an Excel spreadsheet of all the jobs I applied. How many interviews out of that 500? Uh, I would say I had uh, maybe eight interviews. Man, 500 applications. Yeah. And only eight interviews. Right. Is that normal? Is that uh, no- I don't know whether it's normal or not in my scenario, but... Uh, uh, but you think that it's... it's is it, but do you it think is it's that, mainly because of you don't have work experience? Correct. It mainly for me, there's no work experience in Australia. It's the biggest challenge. Uh, and I was in Malaysia and I was on a spouse visa as well, which was mm. a, uh, not a permanent resident visa. You know? So the company would have to get a visa for you? Uh, not really. Are you allowed to work on a spouse visa? You're allowed to work, but you know. On the defecto visa? Yes, defecto visa. So, you so can defecto. work. You can work on a defecto visa, but your defecto visa is, is not a PR. It's just a, it's sort of like a half PR scenario. So people maybe don't, don't see so like the visa. So like it's a, I guess the Malaysian equivalent would be like a dependent pass or something like that. Uh, is defecto is like, it's like you are legally husband and wife. I mean, you are, you are in the lies of the law because you're living together in mm. Australia, you're husband and wife. Although you're, uh, uh, although you're not married. What do they call that? Union? What do they call yeah, they call some, it? Some, something they like that. Some I don't know what it is. Okay. But, but what do you call it? So that happened. So, but if you're allowed to work, why does that become a hindrance to a company hiring? I, I, think, mean, it's a, I think it's more of a, usually what they were put in jobs is a permanent resident or a citizen apply for a job. Uh, that's usually the case. Is that a, okay, is that a cynical way of, if I'm, if I have my cynical cap on, is that their way of saying they prefer to hire Aussies or no, Australian because or... PRs uh, uh, I can be most PRs are non-Australians so, okay. so if you're a PR Wait, all PRs are non-Australians but... yeah pretty much yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> so citizens are Australians okay, yeah. Okay. yeah so what do you call it uh, if that's the case then so I don't know I, I think it's just the jobs I was after the types of jobs as well so I was trying to look for something at, within the finance so here and there I would apply for odd jobs just to get a, get a job Uh, but then I managed to get a contract role with the NGO for six months. Wow. Uh, finance. Finance. So I did. I did pretty well uh, in that role. I got a, you know, I got a, a different bosses, uh, and then then I got what founded me there is that good reference, good references. So from your bosses. From, from your bosses. So then that that got me into my current company, which I'm on, which now I'm. A, Permanent staff of. I was in a contract with them in, the, in, the, in the, when I started with them. I was in so contract. This is technically, your second employer in Australia. Yes. So the, who I'm working now with is my considered in Australia second employer. Yeah. And how long? I've been with them for now ten, ten, ten or eleven. 
11 years. Sir. 11 years. Yeah. Wow. So they took me on contract three months, and then they they converted me to permanent, and that was it. So I, I've done like four or five roles, uh, and different different areas as well. I moved. They helped from in Australia. Uh, I was in Brisbane for two years with mm. them, and then uh, I wanted to move to Perth because it was mm. closer to Malaysia, <laughs> and we had more people. What kind there. of logic is that, dude? I don't know. And it made sense. <laughs> la. It was eight hours aeroplane flight and two hours time difference. I just couldn't cope. It's just too far. So I got me closer, and 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 Mel Mel had family there as well. Uh, so we decided to move, and you know, we eventually moved. I also studied there, so I had a bit more friends base. Uh, And uh, yeah, so we were in Perth for five years until uh, we bought a house. Um, and what do you call it? But uh, um, I bought our kids there as well, and a couple of dogs. And then five years later, I sort of planned when I moved to Perth after two years. I said, "God, I have to go back." Hey, we just had to take a quick break to handle life, right? Uh, <laughs> so I. I think uh, right before you 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 mentioned uh, quite exhaustively that you said that you know you had to come back, right? Um, I think the story of you coming back to Malaysia, since for it, you know, I think it's very interesting. I think it's interesting because it's not a typical story. It's not uh, it's not like you lost your job. It's not like you know people like oh no, I got no choice but to come back to Malaysia. It's You really wanted to come back yep. to Malaysia, and I think uh, it's a very interesting story. But maybe we ha- probably would have to save that for a separate podcast. Yes, I think right? that's <laughs> um, digs in deep. So yeah, because I think I mean it is after all it's August. It is Merdeka month, right? Uh, but I think there's uh, a lot. Of, uh, I think there's a lot. It's a very emotional decision that he made. It would be interesting to explore that on a separate podcast. Yeah. Right? Um, so having said that. Uh, I think one of the even today morning when I was looking at Twitter, I try very hard not to look at Twitter, but it's uh, <laughs> um, I think the the this whole thing about I didn't realize that this was a problem. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, there seems to be a lot of backlash, and and I had to take a double take because usually you only see this kind of stuff coming from from the US, where everybody's got a problem with everything, um, and now seeing this, I. Honestly, I don't know how to feel about. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know how to feel. I feel like, oh, maybe there people are fighting for something important, right? And I don't want to be ignorant and just say, oh, this is stupid people saying stupid things, right? And come on, what's the big deal, right? I don't want to say it, but I'm trying to find a reason on why is this wrong. I, I, yeah. I, And I don't know, man. I mean, what what is your? I mean, you see, I I've not I've looked into a couple of articles, right? I mean, and uh, I think there's one person who called her out for some reason, saying that uh, she's profiting from a cultural misappropriation. So I don't know. I mean, uh, for me, if she would wore anything else and she was trying to profit. Uh, I mean, is it is it was it wrong? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I mean, I, from from what I understand is, she's come out apologize. I don't think so. She needed to. Uh, for me, is um, she in, she intended well. Uh, she liked the culture. She was looking to enjoy it. She was no way looking to ridicule it or insult it. Then I don't see any issues with it. 
basically. Okay, so that's an interesting perspective, right? Uh, intention, right? What's your intention? Um, I believe there was another case, or I wouldn't say case, it's a strong word, uh, another controversy like this. Uh, in the US, I think somebody was wearing, I think, Asian, some kind of Asian traditional yeah. wear for a prom or something like that, and there was a huge backlash and all oh, this is, you know, my culture is not your costume or blah, 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 right? I don't know how to feel about it. In a, in a very simplistic way, it feels like people are just blowing things out of proportion, like massively blowing things out of proportion, right? Um, you know, having said that, I'm sure there are, there are very real instances where there are people who are exploiting minorities to make money without actually supporting uh, in the community and whatnot. Lah. Yeah. But is this person selling contact lens guilty of that? Is, in other words, is she exploiting the so-called Indian community? So-called, I shouldn't say so-called, but is she exploiting the, the Indian community? I mean, Bollywood is like North Indian, so <laughs> are we being specific enough to say she's exploiting the North Indian community <laughs> per se instead of Indian community? And I don't know, man. I, I don't know whether this is... Uh, it doesn't feel like cultural. I yeah. mean, let me reinstate that. I don't know whether I even understand what that word means. Yeah, yeah. Cultural appropriation, you know, the, I think uh, when, you, when you try and read about it and try to understand it, they, they draw... Oh, there's a difference between cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation, right? Uh, and... You know, so if you want to do something for the culture, you're supposed to also give back to the community, right? I, I think that's a big... Yeah. No. I think that's a big ask, right? I mean, especially in Malaysia. I mean, the only thing especially in Malaysia because my favorite breakfast is nasi lemak, right? So if I started selling nasi lemak, am I culturally misappropriating the Malay culture? Exactly. Right? Or is it all... I mean, it's a bit of a... I don't know, where do you stand on... I mean, I mean to hit it deep lah. For me, I, I see this is all based on people react on this based on emotions, right? So because they have, they're feeling something, and what what they feel in this instance is probably this lady is doing a hell of a good job in a Bollywood costume and and getting a heaps of attention. Ah, uh, there's no one in our society is getting the attention. Ah. Uh. That is a nest. That's a way to look at it. But yeah, that's like hate is gonna hate. You know what I mean? I mean like a, so having that feeling, that first feeling of okay, this person is you know using the the, the dresses and getting the attention, and you know she's doing an ad, and she's not from this particular culture. So okay, I'm not happy with that. I mean, it doesn't make sense. We should have our 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 people representing. So. That mindset, if that is if that is the fact, the mind is is why that people are you know hating this. I mean, that's what we want to bury. I mean, we don't need that in this in our in our society. I think it's a, it, uh, I think yes, in the sense that if it is if all they're doing is just hating somebody and finding a reason to hate somebody, right? Uh, then it's it then it's complete bullshit, lah. Yeah. Right? But if if I'm trying to give it a lot of room and, and try and try and better understand what this is, right? 
the fact that there's outrage means that if you are say you're Indian and you feel outraged by it because you feel that this person has taken something from you what is it that they have taken from you yeah and I think it's perspective more than anything else and I think you can look at something and have two different opinions about it right you can look at something and say oh wow uh, you know even non-Indians love Indian culture right or, or even uh, non-Malays like Malay food yeah. or you know so there's one way to look at it or another way to look at it is oh how dare they exploit our culture right or you know but that is a slippery slope right that means if you are not uh, if, if you're not Christian can you walk into a church just cause oh it's it's beautiful building you know you like to watch it's, it, for me it's a cultural experience yeah. right going for Senan fees in Penang or walking into a, the Putrajaya mosque it's not religious for me it's, it's just cultural it's, it's a pre- but is it that wrong is yeah. that what it's being said is it is it wrong to yeah. immerse yourself in somebody else's culture? I mean I mean uh, at the end of the day I think in, in our world here there's too much else going on that we need to pay attention to or not enough things going on yeah. is that is that the problem that there's <laughs> you got nothing better to do is that I, I don't know I mean I have a feeling that we need to sometimes prioritize things that need the mo- more attention in this. Uh, I mean, we have to be able to filter this sort of things in our life because it's, it's really a lot more concern in our life, a lot more things going on around us that actually can spend more time fixing or helping you know, do better. So maybe we need to reflect on that. So how do you mean? Do you mean that? Because I'm trying to... I, I, w- I would like to consider myself a open-minded or open-minded person. I wouldn't say liberal. I don't know what that means. Okay? Yeah. Open-minded, open to ideas, open to different way of thinking. Right? So I'm trying my level best to understand where this outrage is. I'm struggling because yeah. uh, my experience is man, you know, beauty of Malaysia is that we're so multicultural, right? <laughs> I just want to freak it. Uh, but the beauty of Malaysia is that, that we are so multicultural, right? Right. And in that sense that tonight if we are not able to experience each other's culture freedom, and I don't know whether a music video that if if that's the case, then you know every Petronas ad that talks about multiracial. Technically, Petronas is exploiting yeah the minority community or some other community like, for their nationalistic ads, right? So where do we draw the line? And and I and I don't know whether if this one person, I don't know. If this if this one person is. Is the one responsible, you know, if you are saying, oh, you know, Indians are being, the minority are being, I don't know, not treated well, is she the one not treating them well? Or I mean, is she the one that is, you know, yeah. she's, she, she thinks it's cool, right? She thinks the Bollywood culture is cool yeah, and whatnot. exactly. And then she's, for me, it's a promotion rather than anything else. For me, I, I, see I don't know if it's a promotion because, you know, I'm Indian. Like, I'm actually from India. Not that it matters, right? 
but I don't think Bollywood represents me per yeah. se, right? Yeah. It's it's an it's a facet of our society, right? right. There's so many different there's, there's cricket lah, there's there's so many different things, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean oh Bollywood means all of India. Especially it doesn't mean Malaysian Indians, right? I don't know whether if it means yeah. I don't know why <laughs> we're getting upset though. But <laughs> I don't even know if Bollywood means Malaysian Indians. But do we have ownership on it? Right? Do we all wear traditional clothes and go out all the time? Right? It, I, I don't know where the line is that is. Yeah, I mean, every line is always drawn by, by ourselves or people. And, you know, I mean, problems with things like this, once you become you know, news, hot news, it becomes a, sort of what a, a reference for you know, something else that happens in the future, then the, you know, someone else with the same sort of mindset may want to call it out, which, which then goes crazy. So, yeah, I mean, for me, I would just bury it because this is... Uh, not enough to be something that we need to be worried about in today's world. That is my opinion. I least. think the, the issue itself, uh, the fact that this girl did a Bollywood themed uh, Bollywood emotional video doesn't bother me, right? What bothers me is we have so many people who think that's a big deal. Yeah. And if you're looking at that why are these people outraged? That's what I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying my little best to understand why are they. Okay, let me give you an example of maybe something that I've experienced myself, right? So I used to run many, many years ago. I used to run a restaurant with my family. And, and me, my sister, and my mom will take turns at the cashier. So this one, uh, no, it was, I think it was a weekend. It was, it was in the evening. It was a very quiet day in the restaurant. So it was just, cashier uh, this Indian gentleman walks up to me a very smart looking guy well, it looks like he's going for a meeting and he comes to me uh, speaks to me in Tamil and you know I, I usually if people speak to me in Tamil I speak back in Tamil in Malay, I speak back in Malay and he speaks to me in Tamil and I just thought he was asking for his bill uh, but he actually came up to me like oh I noticed that your restaurant signboard English. Why don't, why is your writing why don't you have it Tamil? Are you not uh, Tamil? Are you not Indian? Are you not proud? Why is no Tamil writing? Why is your signboard in English and not Tamil? And it took it caught me off guard. <laughs> it, it really caught me off guard because honestly God, I didn't even think about the signboard. It was not like I didn't have a mission to oh the signboard must be English, must be Malay. It's just that you know, I just designed it that way. But then I, I was thinking for a little bit. Then I called him back. Uh, yes, he was much older than me. I probably was, couldn't have been rude, but I was a little bit rude. I said, I just want to ask you something, right? Yes. You're very proud about the culture. I said, yeah. Do you think my sandbox should be in Tamil? I said, yeah. I said, okay. I see you and you're wearing shirt, tie, pants. Why are you not wearing traditional Indian clothing, wearing Veshti? And why are you wearing this? No, it's, isn't this the same as me having an English signboard? Like, what's the point of doing this? He got very upset, right? He couldn't justify himself. <laughs> he, 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 he did not give me a response. And I really wanted a response. Like saying, why is you wearing shirt and pants okay? But me having a, an English signboard or signboard in English language? Yeah, of course it was in Malay and all, you know, adhering to all 
PPG and whatnot. Why is this a problem? Why are you considering yourself a champion of the Indian culture, but suddenly you're seeing me as a villain and accusing me to my face that, oh, why are you doing this? Right. And so, so I think there's a lot of ignorance, right? In the sense that, does this mean that every person who's outraged, every morning they wake up and they go and they champion the Indian culture? Is that what they're doing? Are these warriors of the culture that they are? I don't think so, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> and doing exactly the opposite, if you ask me. Uh, I mean, I don't think... I don't think so. And I, I think going out and saying that other people are not allowed to appreciate your culture kind of ridiculous. Uh, or if they're saying that, oh, if you want to do a Bollywood video, you have to pay some kind of, I don't know, tax to the community or pay or what hire Indian people or <laughs> I mean that's okay but then where is the line I don't understand so yeah. does that mean that that in, in Malaysia uh, Chinese people cannot do a Bollywood song or cannot do a Malay song we, are we no, do we have to stay in our lane and hey you cannot talk about Indian culture you cannot talk about Malay culture and Chinese I mean, it's a bit ridiculous. Uh. No, I mean, I mean th- that's why I see this, like, I mean, especially in a country like Malaysia. Uh, I mean, for me, I feel like uh, I'm still hoping that the people that vo- are, are voice out all this stuff are the minorities. I think majority, I hope, still have a little <laughs> okay. bit of uh, so rationalism. The, 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 the people that are voicing out are, are just a small group of people. I mean, usually the uh, no the uh, empty cans makes loudest noise, right? You, no, but you're saying case. like when you say minorities, I think the 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 consensus is that oh, Indians are the minorities in Malaysia. I would say minorities of the minorities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope somebody can can put across a valid point. Yeah. Where, but so far from what I read, it's just that it almost sounds like we are just echoing Western idea of. Uh, you know, they call it, I think, social justice warrior. Or oh, you make noise for the sake of making noise and you want to be outraged by everything. This feels like that. Yeah. I, I don't know if it is and, and I wish I can talk to somebody who can really educate me on this. I would like to hear that. Yeah, but this this argument and this video, man, I don't see. I mean, it feels a, such a, like a backward step. <laughs> You know, right? It feels like a backwards yeah, step, no, right? It, is, it, it feels like all those Petronas ads have not done anything. <laughs> and we're just back to, you know, you know, Chinese must be Chinese, Indians must be Indian, Chinese must be Malay, and we all have to speak our own languages and, and do our own thing. And there's a cost to it. I mean, if you're going to speak out, and I think that one lady spoke out and called out, and she got, she had to close a Twitter account because she got hammered, I think, uh, pretty bad. So, when you want to pretty say bad by something... Whom? Who? Uh, uh, that by what by by the general a lot of general public a lot of general public spoke against uh, her saying anything saying something about cultural misappropriation. So, I mean, so there is a cost, you know, for you to take a step like that. You got to really think before you do and, and put something out to public where, you know, you're going to get relatively hammered significantly, and and that, that's the price you have to pay. You know, I mean, there's no running away from it. If you do it, you got to you got to own up to it and take. Accept the consequences because yeah, and that's the social, uh, social media life. So. But in if if we are being literal, if we are being literal, but if we are being literal, what's the bother? 
Iya. Iya. Nana we speak Hindi. <laughs> like so who's the is it the North Indian Malaysian community that is upset or is it are we what are we taking ownership of because yeah. I think it is the take of oh I can say that I'm outraged but I don't know if that's the case and and you know Malaysia I think it is like a we have many people the population has known for a long time that Malaysians in general Malay East Indians love Bollywood movies yeah right isn't there some level of universal appreciation that we get away with I mean I don't know man I, f- I really do feel like this is like a step backward like it is I mean uh, I mean yeah I move, we more we compartmentalize ourselves that's what will happen for me I, I hope there's a valid I do I really do hope there is a valid argument to I would like to hear it maybe you know I, I don't know my, I'm keeping my I'm trying to have an open mind but I just don't see it yeah someone has to put up a good case to one I think the what do kind of touch on the racial lines, right? We all have racial stereotypes, right? So, what I always the logic that I, I kind of apply is whatever you know thought process that I want to subscribe to, it has to be two ways, right? That means if we now stand out and say, not okay, somebody who is a, a non-Indian. To portray Indian culture in a way, in a monetizing way, if monetizing, then we have to be very clear that that means somebody can come up to you and say, "Hey, Indians, not portray anything of the Chinese culture or the culture, or God forbid, the Western culture or <laughs> whatnot, lah." You know, and are you okay with that? Are you okay with people telling you that hey, you know you can only talk about your Indian culture and you not talk about other Indian? And then, you know, when it comes to culture, even Indians, there's so many types of Indians. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I hate doing this, right? And in every culture, saying Chinese, there's, there's different, you know, there's... So, which culture are we subscribing to, right? <laughs> is, is which, you know... And everybody's got their little... Exactly. So... I don't know, man. It's a slippery slope. So. Nah, nah. I, I mean, it's skin. Things that we have created, we have decosted, divide is unnecessary when you can actually enjoy everybody's differences. Yeah. We, we choose to. Yeah, hopefully it, it is a case of perspective. These people are just, they've been angry about something for a while and this is just an outlet for them and I would like to think it's not like a like not a movement because this is definitely this is not a movement <laughs> that I hope gets any type of traction yeah, yeah. unless I understand or if there's really a group of Indian Bollywood community in Malaysia that is being robbed of opportunity because of this girl doing this video I, I don't know I mean I just, those are probably the, the first cri- the criteria that you know if they want to have to contest it they have to you know be actually I mean, be that society that's actually been appropriated. I don't know whether it's um, fair. Yeah. But, but to be fair, she apologized. I think she she, she apologized. I yeah, but she, that's the thing. I still don't get get why she needs to apologize. So, well, if <laughs> if based on what she's saying is that a fan and she just loves Bollywood, and that's why she decided to do the whole team like that. 
I don't know what have, being Bollywood has to do anything with selling contact lens. Yeah. That part I don't understand yeah. because, you know, that, that part I don't understand. So, I don't know whether, I don't think she was exploiting a stereotype per se. Uh, but, I mean, if you did a rap <laughs> video and you sold, you sold contact lens, what does that mean? Honestly, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. If you did a country music video and, you walk, and you're selling contact lens and you were not, uh, not uh, from the USA, what does that mean? So, yeah, we make... I we think make... The, 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 one of the arguments that I've read, I don't know whether it's valid, is, which, which also sounds very... It's not, I wouldn't... It sounds very uh, like an American situation, la, where it's all the different for when the majority exploits the minority, minority does it for the majority, right? So in, in context of the US... Not cool if the white people do it. Okay, if the black people do it. I don't have an opinion on that, but that's the that that is what they're saying, like That means the majority does it. It's not cool. Okay, if the minority did it. So I've seen some arguments on Twitter saying, putting that case ahead, they're saying that, oh, it's not about Indians can't sell nasi lemak because Indians are the minority, and and as a minority, we should be able to. Uh, Whatever it takes, we already had a decent patch, blah, 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 blah. But I don't subscribe to that. Yeah, no. Say. I think uh, that's just finding a justification, but you know, doesn't really hold up. Uh, do you know what this actually means? Does, you know, if, if, if we subscribe to this, if we start accepting this mindset, do you know how many office functions <laughs> that they cannot do the annual dinner now? Because annual dinner is usually has some cultural dance stuff where. We have Indian, Chinese, Malay, and all the other ethnicities doing one culture dance, which is usually Chinese or Indian or Malay, right? So, so does this mean that that all has to stop now? Yeah. Does it mean that oh, only the so, uh, Malay open, employees can do opening, opening one type of dance? Uh, opening cans that don't need to be. Yeah, I mean, never dare to ask me. But it'll be funny, man. It'll be funny if if that's what they want. They 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 want every culture to just behave like themselves and. Oh, I don't know man I don't know if that makes sense to me so I don't know if one day somebody can go up to an Indian person and say why are you not speaking Tamil I'm pretty sure it happens now though right <laughs> oh you are not appreciating your culture why are you not speaking Tamil or why are you not speaking in Hindi you know, in the and case people of ask me why I don't speak Tamil la, but they don't ask me nowadays you don't appreciate your culture la, so at least that's a step forward. I don't know man I mean it's uh, I think it is a uh, I really feel that this is a move backwards. It's a very regressive move. Yeah. How about again? You look at overall globally, there is a pattern of that somewhere. <laughs> Regressiveness happening throughout societies. Really? Yeah. Yes. I mean, if 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 is if Donald Trump wins again, <laughs> then it's a definite sign that oh yeah, America is on a on a little bit of a decline. Yeah. But they have a history of doing that. I mean. Bush won twice. So it was not, you know, so they have a history of repeating those kind of things. So, yeah. But this is not about the US, right? This nope. is about us. And, and We can do better. And I thought when he came to this, oh, cool. I thought yeah. he came to Hari Raya and Diwali and Chinese going to open. Usually dress up, you know, if you can, you put on something that is relevant to the, yes. the festive season. You dress your kids up like that, right? So now is it wrong to dress your kids up? Uh, no one's going to stop me. 
time. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, 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 my, my, my honest wish is somebody can bring up a valid point that holds some real water, or not some, you know, some. Yeah, finding finding a reason outrage for the, for the sake, sake of, of outrage. Yeah. Can't appropriate my culture, as in, like you know, that's it comes a lot, a lot of bullshit, lah. Uh, we might get in trouble for talking about this. I don't know. <laughs> and we might get cancelled before you even began. <laughs> it needs to be talked about, so it needs to be cleared off. Just, just for the record, the fact that I'm Indian and you're Indian students yeah. is not an Indian podcast. <laughs> People listening wouldn't be able to tell, but yeah, if, if you saw a photo or if you saw the video, it's, you know, it's two Indian guys sitting and talking okay. about Bollywood. Man, this is you know it's a discussion I probably never had before. Yeah. Um, but let's see. I I I do hope that you know Kamal heads prevail, and poor girl gets to sell some contact lens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um. Yeah. Interesting. So culture eh? coming to Malaysia. Radika. <laughs> 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 